Hello, hello, and welcome to the Black Women Working Podcast. It's Chantel here. Hey, ladies. Hey. Hi. Hello. (laughs) We made it. All right. So before I delve into today's episode, a little housekeeping as usual. Thank you all for staying with us. Um, It's great to see your interactions on the social media. If you are new to us, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, using the handle at BWWpodcastUK. Um, you can also email us directly at blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com. And as new listeners, you can catch up on all of our previous activities and episodes via our website, which is www.blackwomenworking.com. So it is season seven, episode four. And today, the title of our episode is I gotta go to bloody work. <laughs> True East London, I gotta go to bloody work. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and um, it's a little play on words because we are talking about a current policy being discussed um, in government and conversationally surrounding menstrual leave for women, obviously for women at work. Um And I just want to draw our attention, as always, before we kind of delve into the conversation, just a little bit of background and context as to what is the narrative around um, menstrual leave policy globally, because the UK is having to learn from others in this instance. So um, UK charities, it's been charity led, have called on governments to bring in leave for those who suffer with menstrual pain. Um, This comes really recently, earlier this year in 2022, as Spanish politicians approved a new draft bill, um, which would allow those with painful periods to have three days off a month. Um, There are only a few countries around the world that offer menstrual leave currently, um, and these include Japan, Indonesia, South Korea and Zambia. All the laws very really widely and I look forward to us discussing perhaps what we would like for a law like this to look like in the UK Um, but it's important to note that the majority of countries do not offer paid leave they provide extra time outside of statutory sick allowance Um, so for example in Indonesia women are allowed two days of menstrual leave a month um, but that is not in addition to sick leave. So within their sick leave, they can say it's because of um, menstrual leave. And this is really similar in Japan. In South Korea, employees are entitled to menstrual leave and those who do not take it can get an, can get additional pay. I think that's quite interesting. Whilst in Taiwan, three extra days are granted on top of their statutory 30. Um, Zambia, their policy is called Mother's Day, which provides a legal entitlement to one day off a month for menstrual leave. Um, But interestingly enough, similar to other policies like paternity leave, um, a study found that uh, the sorry, a Japan a survey carried out by the Japanese government found that only 0.9% of female employees actually take this leave. Um, The current situation in the UK is that employees should use sick leave if they need time off. 
So that's the contextual landscape. I'm just going to give you a little bit more detail about, you know, why is this being spoken about? What are the issues that pertain to women and black women in in particular? So studies estimate that four in five women experience menstrual pain. And, um, you know, charities are saying it's a really important discussion because those who have debilitating period pains and struggle to function, especially um, those women who have endometriosis, um, polycystic ovary, oh, I've missed the word, polycystic ovary syndrome? Just say PCOS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's what it says. Yeah. And fibroids. Um, and there's a number of statistics that we'll share via our social media on the website. I mean, a reason why, why would we talk about this for black women in particular and not just women generally is that black women are three times more likely than other races to, um, to live with these conditions. And more importantly, they suffer to get diagnosis. Often their symptoms overlap with other um, conditions. They're not believed, their pain threshold is not believed. And in terms of holistic remedies, such as yoga, um, diet, they're just not afforded to those spaces, whether it's a financial barrier or a social barrier. Luckily today, you will notice that Rachel, unfortunately, is not with us today. She is enjoying um, the sunshine with baby. But we have Nicole. And I've really, really not allowed you to introduce yourself properly, Nicole, but Nicole um, has a fountain of knowledge around this. So, Nicole, do you just want to introduce yourself and the work you do? Good evening again. So, I'm Nicole. I um, run an Instagram account called Endo of an Era, which I set up last year. And that is centred around me personally having endometriosis. Um, I also have adenomyosis, which is not as known about, and PCOS, also known as polycystic ovarian syndrome. So when it comes to menstruation and period cycles in general, infertility, the whole shebang, um, that's my life. That's my life. Um, I speak very heavily on my page as well, just regarding um, biases, subconscious bias, um, inequalities, um, and the whole range of it, to be honest. So, yeah, that's me. Thank you for joining us, Nicole. And I'm sure your input will be really valuable. So from a personal perspective, just so um, we can sort of lay the landscape for us here. I've got a few have you ever's. So I don't know, say I or feel, feel willing to share your experience, but in terms of the issue at hand, so menstrual pain and work, have you ever been caught unprepared at work? So coming on, having a lack of sanitary products, unexpected period, anybody here? Oh. Never, never. All right, Brownie. Never, ever. Oh, good. Always prepared. Only because, only because I've just got paranoia about ever coming on and like leaking through my clothes and everyone looking at my bum. So I always carry um, tampons in my bag and I always have a full box of tampons in my drawer at work. Every single bag I have, I ha now have because of Corona, a hand sanitizer and at least one tampon because I will not be defeated in these period streets. 
Can I, can I just say, we look at your bum anyway. Go away. <laughs> just go away. <laughs> All right. Um, anyone else want to share before I do the next? Have you ever? Okay. Um, I don't think, not recently anyway, but maybe once or twice when I was younger. But the thing is, for me, like, luckily I have the kind of period that I can just sense in my spirit. So I've never been caught slipping as such. I've always, like, just known intrinsically, oh, yeah, you're coming. So being able to find what I need to do. But like Nats, like, I do tend to carry, like, um, I'll carry a tampon and a sanitary child just in case. All right. Have we ever, have you ever had a menstrual-related wardrobe malfunction at work no luckily but that is I'm very lucky that's very very lucky you're the menstrual queen um (laughs) I would say I I haven't or have come close but being a teacher or an ex-teacher having been a teacher um sometimes my timetable is like five lessons in a day like back to back five hours with maybe a half an hour lunch and so the ability to go toilet throughout the day is quite constrained and so like I will have to double triple up the tampons pads cycling shorts tights everything to just secure honestly like this is real talk that sounds Um, like such bondage I cannot oh it is. I and can't like, imagine. You're listen, crazy. And since having since having baby and changing my contraception, my periods are actually slightly heavier. So even things like um, being aware of not sitting down at certain points. So once the hour's up, it's like, okay, you're standing for an hour because I, I don't want to risk sitting, perching on the desk or a chair or anything like that. Honestly, here we are. Um, now- I've, I've had so many... Um, similar incidences like near near closes I bleed quite heavily because of my endometriosis but more so the adenomyosis mm. and I've like when you're talking I'm nodding my head like the tripling up the backing backing up wow. I've, I've, yeah there's nothing I haven't experienced and because I bleed so heavy a normal trickle for someone that they might get in a day I can get in like an hour so <laughs> um yeah I've had loads of miss, near misses and some quite um yeah, but yeah, I've been there. I've been through all of it, to be honest. Um, a bit more prepared now, way more prepared now. Mm. But um, sometimes it it, do, it does happen. It does happen. It does totally happen. Yeah, and I guess I mean I know for some people listening, it's going to be like, oh, this is a bit crude, but this is the realness of some of our lives. And mm. I know from, I'm I'm pretty sure it was season one, possibly season two, but where we had um, we spoke about sickness at work, living living with long term illness. And we had the period poo talk, and I just knew from there this was our safe space, bruh. <laughs> uh, Maria, Maria to quote. On uh, my last, have you ever, in terms of uh, our experiences, most importantly, I guess, have you ever taken time off due to menstrual related pain or sickness? No, but now I work from home. When I come on and I'm tired, I do just go and lie down in my bed and just not respond to emails until I feel like I've got more energy. But that's only, I feel like that's only because I'm working from home. So I work, what, 10 seconds walk from my bed. It's just like, why am I here killing myself when I could just take a nap for an hour and then feel better? But I feel like once you get into the office, 
and then you come on like midday you can be kind of trapped there and then if you're leaving for your period everyone's looking at you like like can't you just get a grip are you 16 again like that thing but now I will just literally collapse in the bed oh period collapse for an hour I'll come back <clears throat> so um for myself no I think I don't know if I've mentioned it to you guys but I am one of those people that you know when I first started my period it was horrible I used to get cramps and whatever but honestly generally I don't suffer a damn thing honestly it's just like whatever it comes it's there and so I've never had a moment of feeling ill at work or even I'd say at school or any instance where I've had to lie down because of the impact of it that's just the the blessing that was bestowed upon me for what reason I don't know I mean just rub it in just just rub it in <laughs> just rub it in you cow that's all I can say go on what was you gonna say Shana? I'm laughing <laughs> <laughs> no I mean I asked that question because obviously it's quite poignant in terms of the policy that we're discussing but also like for many of us it will feel really I don't know the phrase that but it'll feel really like young to say oh I'm taking a day off because I've got period pains like you're a grown ass woman and those views are problematic especially if we don't understand the the extent of the pain that certain women go through but it's such a shame that it feels like it's it's just a minor ailment and it doesn't warrant taking time off even though it can be as described debilitating um And so I guess the question lies really is, so how do we actually feel about the UK adopting an umbrella? And I've said umbrella, we can take variations, menstrual leave policy for all places at work. And I'm going to point that to Nicole first. Nick, I'm calling you Nick because I'm comfortable. Uh, What do you think? Um, For someone obviously like me, the world that I live in, menstrual leave would be especially if it's outside of your sick leave, would be totally, totally helpful for someone like me or anybody that lives like me. The difficulty, though, that I think about with my own journey, like for me, it took 20 years to get diagnosed with endometriosis and adenomyosis. This is a long journey point. So for me, there were times where I was really, really struggling, undiagnosed. I had no condition, no name to go to, and nobody could understand what I was going through it was oh it's just a period um pull up your big girl knickers we all bleed you get all of that stigma and taboo attached with it and judgment so if it's so there's one side where there's many of us that have chronic conditions where we actually really would rely on the leave um there's also it would for me have to be umbrella because there's many people are undiagnosed and also period and pain is quite personal there might be someone that doesn't have a condition that they might find their periods really tiring really excruciating um it can affect your um emotions not just your physical health so I think yeah I think it's so important I think it really is important but the only other side to it I don't think it should be like publicized you know when you get the work email this person's off sick I don't think it should be announced that oh this person's on menstrual leave because when you're menstruating it's such a personal experience it's actually quite for me a vulnerable time for me I wouldn't want everyone to know I just wouldn't I I personally wouldn't want everyone to know so that's that's my thought on it um but yeah I definitely think 
at least three to five days is sufficient. Totally, totally. Um, I'm of the same view that I think it's vital, um, irrespective of what um where people are in their process of finding out or receiving a diagnosis. And as Nicole has just said, that's really important with regards to the publicization of it. It absolutely should not be publicized. I think in most places of work now, um, the way that you kind of document leave is through a system anyway. So you should be able to select specifically six leave or menstrual leave. And even your line manager shouldn't have to know about it. All they need to know is that you're sick. So you can take sick leave, but then when you're doing your timesheet or something like that, you document it as being um, for the menstrual leave. And I want to say it was only on last year that I'd actually found out or heard of, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it now, Adamant. I demand no, I don't even know how to pronounce no, just, it. Just humble yourself and ask. Just humble one. yourself and ask. <laughs> and when I heard about it, I was like, what? Because I heard of endometriosis, I've heard of fibroids, I've heard of all sorts of things, but I'd never heard of that. And there's somebody that I follow on Instagram, actually. Her name is Lily. I've just remembered her name just now. Um, yeah, she has all of the same conditions, I think, um, as Unicor. And I was just yeah. reading her story. I said, people exists going through all of this so yeah 100 you know this mm. policy i think would be quite a great relief um to people in those circumstances a part of me feels like that from what i understand of these different um, conditions fibroids and, and the pain that they put you through you may suffer the most pain during your menstrual cycle so kind of when you're menstruating but these are like fully recognized conditions equivalent to asthma equivalent to diabetes so then part of me is like why do you need a special additional leave for them it should be that when you have a diagnosis it should be like this is my diagnosis this is what I'm living with and if I need time off I need time off so part of me feels like people with those conditions they should just be respected as this is a normal illness the same way someone at work can be like I have migraines, someone at work can be like, I have asthma, I have this condition, I have that condition. It shouldn't be, obviously it pertains to a certain part of the body and it pertains to women specifically who have uteruses, you have vaginas, you menstruate. But part of me wonders like, like why they don't just get the leave that they need anyway because they're suffering and why we need to be having a conversation because my understanding of what um, menstrual leave would be is it would be additional leave for people who menstruate who kind of have normal periods, whatever that is, but who are suffering pain during that during that cycle. But I would expect people with diagnosed conditions to get whatever time they need off, regardless of the fact that their condition relates to their female organs, if that's so the correct I, term. So I think there's two things that have come out so far. So firstly, um, in response to like the privacy around the issue, if we're talking about workplaces that are saying, or countries that are saying you get an additional portion for specifically for menstrual leave, then the idea of it being private then becomes somewhat tricky because if it's just sick leave, how are they to know that you're using that? No, no, no. So what? So, no, but I'm so, coming to the point. That's one but, point. But then, no, no, but the point I'm trying to make is Toll's already co covered that with saying when you self-certify, when you say you're sick, but when you self-certify, you say that you were off because you were using menstrual leave is that what you meant tolls but it depends on the workplace so in yeah in terms of the pri um, privacy issue yeah I feel like you could self-certify that after this doesn't have to be um public knowledge 
it depends on the workplace and the systems that are in place so like yeah for example my previous employer only just had like an online automated thing for leave and sick before that and in my 12 years of teaching you would call up you don't even speak to HR you speak to like the cover person and you have to say why you're off you have to say why you're off I guess if a policy like this was then put in place workplaces would have to understand the sensitivity around it the other point I would make speaking to your point Nat is that with other conditions say for example asthma I'm asthmatic I can go a year, two years, three years without having any asthma related um, incidents like an attack or anything. Whereas as a woman, your period is going to come every single month. So, well, for some less often, more frequent. But I think to say that if you have this condition, it should be treated as any other condition. I think that's a bit tricky because people live with conditions that don't actually affect their lives. And then there's that. No, but I mean, in the sense of if you have a diagnosis, then just because if you have a diagnosis and your and your diagnosis is known that you have excruciating periods, mm. it should be it should be no way for you to say, like, literally, I need to be off because I'm suffering because of my condition. It should and that's uh, that's thinking of the ideal world. In an ideal world, that's what I'm saying. It yeah. should be like I'm not saying that's that's what it is, but I just can't get my head around why menstrual leave, why people who have diagnosed conditions. I'm making a point. I'm not saying it is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Feel like they would now have to rely on menstrual leave when really, if you have a diagnosis, you should be getting every single thing that you need. If you're if you're sick, you're sick, right? I don't. I think it would really just come down to individual judgment in, in that instance because I definitely agree with you when it's diagnosed and that should mm. be able to come out of you know your ordinary sick leave but I think the menstrual leave is important for people who may be in the process as Nicole was explained before yeah, like a 20 years yeah I mean yeah exactly so just having it there mm. um, would be really kind of transformative for people experiencing that yeah and I think in terms of technicalities in terms of how workplaces work right like after a certain amount of days sick you get a trigger yeah. to get that meeting with HR yeah. Yeah. to say, oh, you've been off for seven days now. You've been off. Whereas mm-hmm. if it's menstrual leave, it's like, well, you understand why there's nine days in the last four months, for example. Yeah, true, true. Because like you say, it's going to happen regularly. So I just think it's sad. I think I'm trying to make a general comment. I think it's really sad, basically, that people with conditions like are having to suffer, like just mentally in terms of how you navigate the workplace for something you didn't ask for. That's all. Do you know what another thought I've had as well? Because um, I lived with someone who was suffering from endometriosis. Like there's so much of her life that actually wasn't, was felt dealing with that issue outside of being on her period, Mm -hmm. like going to hospital appointments, doctor's Mm -hmm. appointments. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if that time could be taken out of um, the menstrual leave as opposed to sick leave, because I don't know. I think it could be beneficial in the sense of it coming out of the menstrual leave. So you're not eating more time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I totally, totally agree. What Natalie was raising about, you know, especially if you've been diagnosed, it shouldn't have to be separate. That totally resonates for me. But then you you do trigger. Mm. Like, for Mm. example, when I had my first laparoscopy that I was signed off work for six weeks. I had Mm. appointments. I had prior to that because I wasn't on any contraception that's how I got diagnosed I was sometimes actually calling in on childcare. 
I was calling mm. in on childcare saying I couldn't come into work because of childcare. Mm. Um, because I was using up so much leave and I was triggering. I was like triggering every sickness stage. And the only time it got wiped off is when I had surgery. That's when it got wiped off. They didn't count it. And then also what you have to remember is every workplace is so different. And there are those biases. There are those taboos. People might just think, oh, you're a woman, just deal with it. You know, and there's all of that into play. So I think menstrually would give a whole a lot more protection. But I do believe that, you know, especially for those of us that have a diagnosis, that we should have a, a lot more cover than what we do. A hell of a lot more. Yeah, and I think for our HR listeners and our leaders, um, you know, I think that's something to consider when we're looking at what the formation of this policy might look like in terms of compassionate leave for things like appointments, because um, it's a drawn out process to get a diagnosis. It's not easy at all. But I think like we're really starting to allude to and explore some of the reluctancies and difficulties around adopting a universal umbrella policy mm-hmm. and I quite often like to check in with my partner on the topics that we're talking about because he can be quite black and white about certain things and we spoke about like <laughs> Natalie <what? laughs> oh sorry did you guys hear my pause on mute sorry <laughs> no you're fierce you're fierce <laughs> oh. we spoke about like all right I asked him like okay what's the issue like menstrual leave yeah for everyone mm-hmm. and you know he he discussed um some of the financial burdens around it like workplace mm. reluctancies because of finances and I think it's worthy to know that in most contexts the state have agreed to absorb the cost even though we know that never makes any sense because that always comes back around to us um but also the idea that can such policy be accessed by all workers so we think about people who are on the front line depending on the type of work you do you know can we have an umbrella policy so I mean we've looked at like you know the day-to-day tricky nature of calling in and how do you register but like why do we think it's taking so long for such a policy to be adopted or or it's taking so much convincing do you know what it is I think that and this is my own personal experience because just full disclosure I went to have my first gynecology appointment um last Saturday and I've been told that I may have more endometriosis and PCOS so um this is quite interesting and quite timely for me but I'll talk to you about how gynecologist was really an agent of Satan on a separate podcast but um no I'm not joking she was but um I think taking a step back it really is interesting to see how we just don't educate people in general about what periods are. So I think what happens is you go to the toilet one day when you're at school, you're at home, you're like, mom, finally, I'm on my period. If that's your lived experience, everyone has different lived experience. And then you get sanitary towels and you get told it's going to happen every four weeks and you need to shower and that's it. Um, and I feel like just through my own research before my interaction with the gynecologist, as I began to get a bit older, I began to have kind of more lead up in terms of mood, noticeable mood swings, tiredness, um, all these different things that were beginning to affect me that related to my period. And when I started to do research, there are things that you can do in terms of like changing your diet, um, changing your activities. You shouldn't make decisions at certain points in your cycle. You, um, you, should, you should avoid certain types of food you should avoid exercise at certain times of your cycle. And I think that 
we just don't have those conversations before you even get to endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, everything like that. We just don't have those conversations about how difficult it is just to have a period, period. Sorry, I was trying to look for a different word, but I couldn't. And it's like once I, I downloaded this app, um, you can put it in details, socials, and it had some detail about when I should be making decisions, when I'm most productive due to my hormone balance. It even has an ability for you to send your partner a letter saying, this week, Natalie is in this phase of her cycle. Do not irritate her. Don't do this. Make sure you do this. Obviously, I don't have no one to send it to you. But I thought it was super, super interesting to even have that. And there's pages on Pinterest that you can follow that tell you when which foods to eat, which foods to avoid. Obviously, those things are not to be done in isolation. If you are suffering, they're meant to be done with like medical treatment as well. But from you can get that wealth of information if you're not suffering with anything or you're having normal what it seems to be normal periods because I don't know what a normal period is can you imagine then how much more difficult things will be when you do have a condition how much more information you then I need to go out and find on top of the information if you didn't have those conditions so because of my own personal journey I'm very interested to understand why a lot of this information about just what a period actually is isn't really being discussed before you even get to people who do not have what are seen to be normal or straightforward you know periods and I'm doing that in the little jazz mm. hands or the fingers because I'm still it's trying fine. to figure They're out what a normal period you. is <laughs> I don't want to be cancelled but I don't know no. what a normal period is you know what I mean period is it starts from the get and it's also different if you mm. think about like even sex ed at school there are sex ed sessions that are separate the boys and the girls are separated. This is it. So the information mm-hmm. that is shared around female gen- genitalia and female health and pro- periods, pregnancy and birth, young boys are not necessarily, and I know schools are trying to move on with that, but it starts from there. They're not included in that conversation to even know, you know, what is happening. All they know is... Uh, you're bleeding for X amount of days, I've got to leave you alone. That's as far as it goes. So when most leaders, that's the statistics, are male, how are they supposed to know what it means to accommodate us? And I think this is the crux of the issue, is the lack of education. And it's something that really irritates me across the board, I think, just in terms of anything that kind of relates to majority of what women go through in terms of pregnancy motherhood periods things like that it really does start at the beginning now obviously some people may feel a way as to whether children should be learning that in school whether that's a parent's role um I do think there is just a baseline level of education that needs to be done and yeah as you said before um boys and girls should not be separated when these things um are happening because the ignorance around it is really quite alarming and especially some of the perspectives that you hear from men sometimes concerning these things you realize that the ignorance is just a lot and it's not necessarily therefore it's just because of the way society has taught us that especially with regards to periods that's a dirty topic or that's a mm, we shouldn't really talk about it even as women we find it difficult to talk about it so why on earth would boys or men need to know anything about that and so if you're not getting to it at the root from the beginning when they're growing up you're really not going to make much penetration to the guy who's a CTO CFO or whatever and he's dealing you know with um, employees penetration having- eh oh sorry <laughs> I'm gonna help myself yeah. 
Sorry, I'm sorry. You're foolish. Put the towel down. Yeah, they're not going to give a damn. They're not really going to care because it doesn't impact their world in any way. And it's not that they need to know all of the nitty gritty details. That, as Natalie said, there's too much going on for everyone to like kind of know the nitty gritty details. But it is an important thing to know in general. But I mean. How you, I feel like, how can we inspire this change? But I'm going to call us out because it's not just the ignorance of men. I think it's also the ignorance of other women as well. And like, the there's just a dichotomy yeah. between you being a woman, woman, and then you being a woman worker, woman employee. So amongst us, it's quite common as women will say oh my period's really heavy or I'm cramping or whatever soon as you're stepping into the workplace suddenly that function of being a woman doesn't exist it's like I've got to get I've got to get on with it so we as women have also put ourselves in this position where we're like fighting and being strong where we shouldn't have to be don't need to be and I say that loosely because I know that our financial constraints um have an impact on that our career progression or our desires for career progression perhaps an impact on that but personally some of us are not doing right by ourselves and then we're not always doing right by each other by undermining the pain of other women oh I was just going to say it's patriarchy and capitalism just mixed in it's a always, little bit of sexism, sexism it too, because I feel like what is seen to be the idea of what a good worker is is basically what a man does so and this is something I'm like addressing just with my own professional style. So the Can idea you is that pause on that a second though, because I think Nicole, because I feel like that's going to take the conversation just in a tiny bit of a little bit different direction. But I know Nicole kind of wanted to come in on the initial point that Shama saying. Just wanted to give you the opportunity to come in on that. Oh, thank you. No, I've been like nodding at everything you guys are saying. Like if I go back to being in secondary school, I went to an all-girls school, and I remember sec. Sex, like sexual education I remember like the teacher blowing up a condom the bit on periods was probably like 20 minutes when I started my periods my periods were awful and it was just like you're a woman you're a young woman get on with it and even within my own household and my own family there was actually no conversations around it there was no conversations around not just periods but our cycles in general so even when Natalie was saying like you know there's certain things to do during your cycle and your cycle in a whole really does affect you like for me uh, for some people ovulation can make them feel really sexy in the mood for me ovulation is really painful like I might have to call in sick during ovulation because I get really bad ovulation pains and we're just not taught about just our cycles in general I remember being younger and going to get the morning after pill not realizing that you can only get pregnant at a certain time within the month like we're just not taught these things so for my daughter my nieces even like my son it would be the same with him I talk about this stuff so so much and I welcome it because you know you do have those biases in the workplace and you know especially a lot of stuff is run and overruled by men they're just not always going to understand but I do think the conversations have to happen within our groups of friends and just within the home in general that was just what I wanted to say. Now is this policy going to be the beginning of the overturn of patriarchy in the workplace? No it's not. (laughs) You were saying babe. I was just saying what is seen as a good worker is very aligned with what is seen as alpha female 
sorry, alpha male. So the idea that you just consistently work, that you have no ailments, that you have no additional outside responsibilities. Um, of course, we're not going to see like period pain as something that we should take time off work for because ultimately we're just trying to be aligned to always working, working through whatever condition, working through whatever problem. And, and that's that. And as long as we have that attitude, um, in general, people who are not a hundred percent with no health ailments, no conditions, um, who only get a common cold now and then, if that is seen as the model worker, you know, people who never take a day or sick, then it doesn't matter how many policies you have, it's always going to be found upon when people have to be off work. And we as women sometimes in certain environments internalize that bias. And then we'll be looking at our colleagues like, right, you took a day off for menstrual leave. I'm here bleeding. I've been bleeding all day and I'm chilling. Do you know, just take an iron tablet and some paracetamol. It's a really toxic cycle because when you think mm. about it, even as you were speaking, like the grace doesn't even apply to men. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, it's a workaholic culture. Like how many men do you know would happily take a day off sick because they feel ill? Do you know what I mean? It's really just to keep your head down and get on with it. And we know the ways in which that's impacting them in mm. terms of, you know, the detriment to their mental health and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's actually a generally a toxic culture that comes out of patriarchy, which is negative to everyone involved but nobody wants to overthrow the system <laughs> from the ground yeah, exactly up. that yeah, yeah. try and I guess that that's the nature of bringing these conversations to the forefront because you know obviously we speak we aim to speak holistically about issues that affect black women in the workplace because if you're not your health is your wealth if you're not healthy you're no good to anyone in any sense of the way not just as an employee but for all your other roles as a woman and I think like you know if if we are going to be progressive and we are going to be the voice that says well this is what we need then you know our platform is one space that we can do that and so my final sort of point to draw towards is mm. you know we've we can see that there are various ways that this policy works whether it's one day two day three days whether it's um, embedded in your sick leave or an additional part of but like for government businesses that are reluctant to sort of adopt um, a menstrual leave policy for whatever reason you know what in its whole nature should or could this policy include and I say that because like I don't think it's necessarily all about leave and if we think about like some of my have you ever questions it might be about having a more relaxed dress code if you're on you know that you don't have to wear certain professional attire or that there's more flexible hours um in terms of when you start your day when you finish your day workplaces having sanitary products having iron tablets having paracetamol like having that available and we're seeing a little bit of a move towards that in terms of the eradication of period poverty which has particularly been adopted in Scotland and a lot of schools across the UK about making sanitary products free but like if you were contributing to this policy as opposed to just saying yep extra days what else should employers consider do we think You know what, honestly, I just think give people time off. I mean, I'm, I can't hear you, Nats. 
sorry, I just want to say, just give people time off. When I'm on a period, I don't want flexible working. I don't want new, different clothes. I just want to be in my bed. So <laughs> no, just give people time off. Every day, new solution. Give people time off. No. <laughs> I don't want iron tablets at work. I don't know where you came from. You're not a pharmacy. Stop being tight. Give people time off work. The joke is, the funny thing with this policy is you'll have this policy put in place and you will find out that a lot of women don't even use it. It's like those companies that have unlimited annual leave and people end up taking less annual leave than they actually would have taken if they had a set policy of like 25 days or 30 days. Just have it in there for people when I'm having a bad day and I don't want to go into work and I'm on my period and I'm going to be miserable as hell. Maybe it's good for me that I'm off work so I'm not abusing everyone through Skype and email and I'm not miserable. How about that? Just give me the time off. Every day, new solution. New so- No, it's enough. I don't want to be around you lot. I want to be doing my period and surviving and just trying to feel better about myself. I don't want to be wearing different clothes. I don't want to be starting work at 10 instead of starting work at 8. If you want to throw that stuff in as a bonus, knock yourself out. But just let me have my day off and watch my programs. Rest, recuperate, eat good, sleep, have my energy. And if you could just let me have one day off, two days off, I'll probably be much better than making me struggle and work to 60% capacity for the next five to seven days while I recover from losing pints of blood and having my body literally attack me to eject you know blood for my vagina because I didn't get pregnant that month why are you punishing me it's not my fault (laughs) I can't afford to get pregnant every single month of my life I can't afford it she's like a pot of Pringles right now like it's too much it's not my fault do we ever think about that like when you deep it your body's actually doing a madness because you didn't get pregnant it's crazy Imagine, can you imagine, can you imagine about how they accommodate you when you do get pregnant but the thing is could you imagine if like men's testicles start attacking them every time if they didn't ejaculate for a certain amount of days like and they were in agony and literally yes. rolling around on the floor the world they would didn't stop. ejaculate thank you like right. I can't get pregnant every month I don't have money for that sorry no so just give me the time off I don't want any compromise I don't want any free dairy milk chocolate I don't want a gift basket I want time off work <laughs> that's what of- I want Sorry, off guys. I went off that. I'm actually coming on my period. I'm due to start no. today. So, <laughs> off the back of that, I think in terms of alternative provisions, um, I think changing the narrative around sickness as a whole. I don't think we're progressive enough at the moment to actually have, you know, conversations for men and women around periods and all these kind of. Um, illnesses that people may have if you label it as such men are not turning up they don't want anything to do with that but I think if we change the culture around sickness like have open discussions in terms of what the kind of sicknesses people can go through for both men and women how that can impact people's productivity or what kind of flexibility people might need with regards to that in combination with having this leave time then hopefully over time I would hope and believe that um we'd get to a point where there was more understanding and to a point where when this leave is available, we are not such in a in such a toxic headspace that we don't maximise this opportunity as well. Because like you said, a lot of it is inbuilt. And the reason it's inbuilt is because we ourselves haven't deconstructed our mentality about sickness. I'm going to be very transparent here. Like sometimes when you know you have work colleagues off sick and it's happening quite a lot, I don't even think any deeper as to what it could be. I'm just like oh this person is off it's increasing my workload and it's a lot 
but mm, I need to deconstruct yeah. that mentality. I need to come out of that and think, okay, this person is of ill. There may be certain things that they're dealing with. What could I do to make it easier for them to work, especially if it's a chronic sickness, and still maximize the productivity of the business as a whole? I think we just need some really intelligent people to think about the issue in 360 degrees Um even as well for the moment we have, you know, this menstrual leave, because maybe in the future it won't be required. Kind of like positive, not affirmation. What's it? Positive. Um, the one they have in America where th- it's to. Discrimination. The recruitment. Positive discrimination. The recruitment. No. Not positive no. discrimination. What discrimination can never. It's positive something where they're trying to, you know, make up for the biases in employment. In, in, it's called positive discrimination. Is it positive discrimination? Yeah. Okay, well, then. you better Google about. Yeah, exactly. But, um, no. Yeah, to go back to my point, hopefully in the future, it would come to the point where, you know, menstrual leave, I think, wouldn't really be needed because it'd be assimilated into the sickness. I just want to make like a, a general point as well, because Nicole, I know we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but you mentioned specifically that it took you 20 years to get diagnosed. Can you imagine yeah. like how painful that must have been for you? Or you can speak on it like 20 years is such a, a, lo- a long period um, mm. because there hasn't been a lot of work and discussion even around women who are suffering with these conditions because they don't impact men as well quite frankly yeah and again they mostly impact women of color specifically black women Mm -hmm. no I mean it was I it feels like so long ago but it's like 20 years that's like two decades it was such Mm. a such a long time and I got to a point where denial set in I'm superwoman. I can do it. I don't take the cape off. I used to say things like sleep is a cousin of death. And basically I was absorbing all of that um, Mm. toxicity around me. Oh, you're a woman. Just deal with it. To be honest, when I had my first child, I, looking back now, do not see much difference in the treatment I got through any of my conditions to being... um, pregnant and being on maternity leave and that's where it boils down to as a woman I'm sitting here saying that whether it's to do with my conditions and menstruating and my cycles in general I didn't receive positive treatment in one aspect over the other and you would think you know maybe with maternity leave Mm -hmm. and you know being pregnant at work I would have got a bit more support and positivity and I didn't and that's where it boils down to what Tolu was saying about it's just a whole workplace culture in general like Natalie I felt your passion like when you were saying I want to be off sick I was sitting there <laughs> nodding like I felt that passion 100 but it really boils down to what Tolly was saying where it's just the whole dynamics in general and even though there is a lot of focus for us on men because men don't always um understand and there's a lot of she's on her period or you must mm. be on your period all of that rubbish for my personal diagnosis and my journey I had better treatment and my di- diagnosis was because of a male doctor. Mm. I constantly saw female doctors continuously because I thought she would understand. They would understand and what they didn't. It was, a male, it was a male doctor that got down to it. And then you have those other biases as well where I remember there was one doctor I saw and she was just really rubbish. There was another doctor I saw and she was like, oh, you know, well, you know, um, 
was going through like my heritage and parentage and um, par parents and um it was like well you know and um, black women we, we don't we don't suffer these things we don't have menstrual problems we don't miscarriage we don't go through infertility so there's all of those those biases as well that come from so many different areas discussions in general and just how we view women and on the other side obviously I advocate so when I talk about advocacy I talk about the chronic community as a whole there's a lot of trans um women mm -hmm. trans men um there are people that might be gay or going for fertility treatment it's quite a big umbrella mm -hmm. and they experience mm -hmm. such massive biases as well like I'm, I'm my experiences as a woman as, as a working woman as a mother but when I advocate advocate I think of the community as a whole and there's a lot of people that um are underrepresented and yeah, a lot of people a lot of people yeah I'm getting I, a male gynecologist then because my woman was stank you say no, she, listen, and women say women are hard she's very rude mm. um it's about for another day but she literally anyway offline because I'm just I'm, it only happened a few days ago I'm, I'm actually angry <laughs> I'm so angry about it. That. Yeah. And but, you know what the joke yeah, is? I thought, oh, let me do it on my private healthcare because if I go private, they're going to treat me with more respect. I forgot I'm still black, isn't it? So they still took, anyway. Sam, just please continue with that. No, I just, do you know what? It just reminds me of the fact, and I like, I think more and more, you know, as we go through the breadth of topics, some of our topics obviously allow us our safe space to speak, but more and more, there's a there's a voice mm. to our leadership in the workplace there's a voice to HR in terms of what they're considering and I just remember like when I saw the um menstrual not menstrual leave menopause policy mm. at a previous workplace and I got gassed and my friend was like don't be excited the only reason it exists is because somebody is having a hard time themselves and I just think like in terms of what we've said in the latter part of this conversation we shouldn't have to wait for trials tribulation and travesty to identify like to potentially the needs of everybody but you know there's that whole piece which we addressed in our episode on emotional resilience that ultimately mm -hmm. when will workplaces actually start to care about well-being over productivity and it's only yeah. when mm -hmm. they consider a worker as a person one and two the same that all of these mm -hmm. things will be encompassing and I call to our queens of Babylon because HR is dominated by women to to look at the policies that are missing queens of Babylon that was season five episode mm -hmm. five or six yeah. I just feel like <laughs> at the end of the day until a CEO has a daughter or a wife of endometriosis and he sees how someone close to him like he's I know it should be like that they won't they won't. My own partner speaks about like having babies and I've given him two beautiful sons. Yeah. And he's like, eh, I'm recruiting a woman because she takes time off for this. And they, is that sorry? Right. <laughs> Even he when went. it's in their ether, they don't care. Sorry, Nana. Okay, I want to go now because um, <laughs> I'm furious. Um, <laughs> don't him. And no, I don't because I want to go to a house and have um, grilled fish and barbecue. You want to do this? So I need to <laughs> just humble, hold it down. You took over the barbecue for real. But I you mean, know, once I've had, once I've eaten my food, I'm going to go. Then I will talk. 
fair enough and we haven't had a barbecue this summer yet um I mean it's such a such an in-depth conversation and one that we've obviously focused on the topic of menstrual leave because that's a current affair but you know there's other issues pertaining to women whether that be um I think fertility Nicole as you raised IVF treatment that's a huge one for women in the workplace um trans Mm -hmm. Again, that's a huge one in terms of the process that people go through, as well as the end result. And sometimes it's never ending. You just learn to live with and find out ways to adapt. But I mean, our pillars are about financial well-being, emotional well-being and physical well-being. So it's important that we have these conversations to make sure that Black women are looking after themselves in the workplace. So I'm so grateful for this conversation. And thank you to you all for sharing so openly. Thank you, Nicole, for joining us. Um, before I wrap up today's episode, Nicole, we will share thank on you for having me. You are welcome. We will share on our socials, but um, can you just one more time tell our listeners where they can find you? Oh, so my Instagram handle, I hope this is not cutting out, is endo, E-N-D-O, dot of, dot, and dot, era, era. So it's endo of an era. Um, as I said, again, it's centering around endometriosis, adenomyosis, and polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and going forward is some events that we're holding space for and photo shoots that we've had going on. And just to touch on what Tolu, Tolu said as well, um, Li- Liliano, um, I'm in contact with Liliano. She also has adenomyosis, which you can call adeno for short or endo, it's endometriosis. And um, I do encourage um, women to follow her as well because she's absolutely amazing. Um, and also Nat Blake as well. I just got to shout them both out as well. Um, also black women doing amazing things, absolutely amazing things. Thank you. So once again, Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have found this episode um, useful or you feel like there are insights that your employer should know, your HR team should know, please do share the episode. So not just tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell the decision makers, the people that need to hear, you know, the issues that really affect us. And remember, as I said, you can always keep the conversation going using our hashtag BWW Podcast UK on our socials using the handle at BWW Podcast UK. And until next time, ladies, take care of yourself. You don't need a menstrual leave policy to take you time off. You know. If yeah. you're sick, yeah. you're sick. Yeah. yeah. Remember, yeah. subscribe and like the podcast, please. And remember, I told you I did ask you politely. Okay, please do it. Thank you. That's what I had to say. <laughs> I don't want to have to come back on the next episode and tell you again. So, please, just please, thank you. Ciao, <laughs> ladies. Bye.